Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. So I hope that that explains it in a nutshell. It's a, yeah, yeah I just want to mention something really quick is, is Wendy kind of dropped it in the, in the chat here. But um, yeah, the, the dollar is genius because it shows a commitment, right? They say that people who actually like, even if it's a dollar who, who pull their credit card out, you know, <laughs> theoretically that usually it's auto-filled now, but it, the sense of, is the same. You know, if they, if somebody's willing to open their wallet once, that means that they believe enough in the idea or you or whoever to actually open their wallet again for a different offering. So I think that's, that's genius in terms of, of vetting, you know, the most qualified, uh, you know, shoppers or, you know, people who want to back the, the campaign. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So basically, if I understand it right, what you're doing with the test phase is you're just trying to get people to say, yes, I believe in this, I back it. And they're giving a dollar, right? Something like that. And then when you know, like, yes, we're building up this list, it's looking really good. We're getting, you know, a lot of, a lot of backers. How do you, you then use that same list when it's time for launch um, to, get them to come back because you're sending them another offer then right you're getting them to come back and go hey you know we're we're um we're now offering you to be able to sign up to get the product right to pre-order the product and so you're asking them to pull out their credit card again but they've already paid a dollar they've already been following this they're excited about this product so that that way when you actually pull the launch boom trigger it's, it's a lot easier because these are people who are committed. Am I understanding your process right? Yeah, yeah, you explained it well. Yeah, I think a, another point that's important that I missed is that while you're building this list of people, there, there is nurturing going on during that process. So it's not just they get dumped into a list somewhere and then once we actually launch, you know, we send them another email. Um, for the people that put down the $1 deposit, the VIPs, they get sent uh, into a VIP only group on Facebook. And that becomes like a really active place where they're communicating with the founder and the creator and other people as well, part of the community. Um, and that can be a really, really great way to like nurture a real community. Um, everyone else, the non-VIPs and the VIPs too, like we do nurture them as well through email marketing. So leading up to the campaign, you usually don't actually wanna send too many emails. To be honest, we've tested that. Um, it can get, um, people can become unengaged if you send too much. It's really only, we send two before we launch, seven days out and one day before to remind them. And then once you actually go to launch, yeah, you send it to uh, both of those groups of people. Now the VIP is like the big offer there is, again, they're special. We're going to send them a link to um, like the best discount that they can, they can get, like better discount than anyone else because they put down that $1 deposit. It's usually a pretty significant discount but they're going to be, you know, your most engaged, your, your highest converting group and segment. Um, so it's, it's quite worth it. I love the idea of putting them into a Facebook group where they can be more engaged and where you can continue to follow up. Cause I agree today we get so many emails and you, you don't want to pester people and you, you want them to feel connected to your project. So I think that that's an awesome strategy. So I want to yeah. shift to, we private label entrepreneurs, um, you know, we already have products. We already have ways to kind of validate our products, um, validate our product ideas. And we have a pretty 
um, solid launch strategy. So the question in our community is always like, well, should I do a Kickstarter? Because that's going to be a lot of upfront investment to get these backers and everything. Or should I spend that same money that I would have spent on a Kickstarter on a, an ad campaign, which is going to convert people? If I already know what keywords I want to target and all of that, and you know, so I think that's like the big the big um, question that people have, it's like, okay, do I, do I do a Kickstarter and get all these backers and use that extra marketing? Cause it is marketing too, right? It's getting additional eyes on your product. You can build an email list where you might not be able to do that on Amazon, but what do you think, um, how can private label entrepreneurs use crowdfunding to launch products in a beneficial way um, besides just going straight to market with a great launch strategy? I, don't know, I, I feel like it really depends. I don't know the whole business model behind like how you, how you, you know, private label Amazon sellers, uh, how it typically works. Um, but my, my first question is like, what do you want your business to look like? Um, meaning like, is this going to be something that lives on Amazon and you also do direct to consumer through your own e-commerce site as well? Actually, that's a good question. Like are, are you, do y'all and, and also your, you know, the audience as well? Is it typically like a multi-channel strategy of Amazon and then also e-commerce, like their own sites? Well, most, most people have a website to represent their brand, um, but most of their sales come from Amazon because the traffic is already there, right? So it's, and it's such a trusted large channel that, you know, consumers, I, I've had my products, um, you know, posted in, in ma on major like uh, media channels and, you know, and all the news, all that kind of stuff, people, they're offering discounts in these news channels. People will still go to Amazon, search up that product and pay full price. Yeah. I mean, so that it's just a really, it's a powerful channel with zero barriers, almost no barriers to entry. So most of us have websites, but we also launch on Amazon because it's such a strong channel. So uh, we don't really need to sell on our website so much, but where it might be beneficial to do like a Kickstarter campaign and where I've seen people do Kickstarter campaigns is for new or different kind of products where you really aren't sure how much people are gonna adopt it, right? Like let's say you're doing a board game or let's say you're doing something that's completely different, right? Um, that you wanna see like, are people really gonna back this thing? Are they really gonna believe in it, right? And then you, you might not feel as confident about bringing that to Amazon right away. Um, you might want to kind of spread the word before you launch. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the toss up, but at the same time, a company going to like a launch company, which nowadays it's really hard to launch, would you say it's really hard to launch on Kickstarter or Indiegogo by yourself? Like it really does take a strategy. It takes some mentorship. It takes some coaching to do, to get that right. You know, so either you're going to spend that money on that campaign or you're gonna do the research on your own, run um, some Facebook ads to your website and to Amazon and you know, get some Amazon PPC going. So that's kind of, I think that's the big toss up for private label brands is like, what is the major benefit I would get from doing a Kickstarter for a product like that over just going ahead and launching it on my own? Yeah, I mean, you bring up a lot of good points. Um, I think, 
it really does largely depend, you're right, on the product itself that you're trying to sell when it comes down to the strategy. And, and before I forget to answer your question about, um, you know, the difficulty of launching your own crowdfunding campaign these days, it definitely has gotten past what I would say is like the hype stage of crowdfunding, where there was a time when um, you actually didn't have to bring a lot of your own traffic to these sites because there was just such a large community and there was such a lot of, there's a lot of hype around it. Like people would pick it up in media sites like very easily. I mean, still the most funded campaigns on Kickstarter happened years back, you know. Pebble, that's the way that's forward. the way Amazon used to be too, right? Yeah. Like Amazon used to be able to put like any product out there. And because it wasn't that, you know, there wasn't that many sellers, like you could yeah. launch anything. And now it really takes a traffic strategy and a launch strategy. Yeah. But with with that said on crowdfunding, there is this misconception that you have to have a really large campaign to be successful. Um, meaning like and usually what people think about it is like, how do I do a million dollar campaign? That's like the question we always get, or even a six figure campaign. But like, if you, if you're doing a six figure campaign on crowdfunding, you're in the, you're, you're about, there's only 1% of campaigns that do that. I think it's 1.3%. And then it drops way lower getting to seven figures. Now the thing is, I actually don't have the data on this, but um, it's like, how many of those, how many of those successful campaigns actually turn into successful companies? Um, probably a lot lower than people think. I mean, Pebble like went out of business, Coolest Cooler had tons of problems. Um, and one of our most successful clients, we actually didn't launch their crowdfunding campaign, but we did their, we do their e-commerce. So that's phase three of our system, Scaleboom. Um, they only, they only did a $50,000 crowdfunding campaign only. I mean, still a good, good amount. Um, but we did 5 million last year on e-commerce um, in eight months with them. And the reason why is because they use crowdfunding as what you're talking about as part of the validation tool for like this new product they wanted to see if people were into. They didn't, they didn't invest a lot of money into um, actually launching it. But then once it was validated, they used that to then scale up uh, on their own site. Um, they're not on Amazon yet, but I'm sure they will. <laughs> sure they will be soon. Another one of our clients, William Painter, this is like pretty publicized. They've, extremely successful company. If you guys want to take a look at them, San Diego company, we've done multiple of their, of their campaigns on Kickstarter. Um, but they have, it's just part of their strategy of launching like these new products in their, their, and again, going back to the product dependent, they found that their products do extremely well with Kickstarter's audience. So it's like thinking about where the audience is, that you know is interested in your product and then going to that platform to launch it, I think is really important to think about as well. Um, you know, they get a huge boost on these platforms where it makes sense for them to use it and then to go and bring their product onto Amazon, bring their product onto their, onto their website as well. Um, those are really awesome tips like thinking about because no matter what you know you do want to build up a bit of an audience you want you want to get that traction before you launch um the only time that you might not need so much traction is if you're selling an already really popular product and you're just running bottom of funnel ads right but any any other really differentiated product and getting some traction like you mentioned is it a product that's the right fit for Kickstarter? Like that's what people should be thinking about. If, if it's just, and I've had people, clients come to me before and 
I told them, you know, they, they wanted to launch something on Kickstarter, but it really wasn't a special product. Like there wasn't really anything kind of, they just wanted money to get started. And I was like, uh, I don't know that Kickstarter's audience would be that excited about this. And this product, you'd be better off just launching. So I think right. that we've kind of answered our own question and talking that out. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the, I know there's tons of tools on Amazon for research. Um, and Kickstarter, the best way to research is just to go on there and see how much these campaigns have raised because it's all public <laughs> and you can just check, check it out. So I always tell people, a lot of people don't do this. They have like these ideas for products, like, you know, your friend or whoever you're talking to that want to launch these products. It's like, go see if there's anything like that on these platforms that have done well, you know, just have like, get some, do some type of market research to understand that. Um, because yeah, if you're trying to launch something that there's nothing similar to it at all on crowdfunding, you are taking a risk that like someone should be aware of. But in general, if, if the product has nothing really special or unique about it, usually has some like tech element to it, um, it's probably not gonna do that well on crowdfunding. Yeah, that's a really great tip. Well, one thing I, I wanted to mention though, that, that I think is kind of an interesting offshoot of, of crowdfunding is, you know, the other thing that's interesting is and, and correct me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but I mean, really you could also use Kickstarter or Indiegogo at a small raise just to gain awareness for your products, right? Like almost, it's almost like free advertising because those, uh, those networks have such a large, you know, uh, network of people who are looking for new and in innovative products. I completely agree with Amy in terms of like, you know, if you're selling printer paper it's probably not going to go over too well unless it's like made out of coconut husks and good for the earth or you know there's some crazy spin on it but um you know do you have any clients who just come to you or like hey we just want a tiny you know we want to we want to win on indiegogo we you know we want to win and we want to get up so we could say hey we've crowdsourced products before um and we got a lot of free publicity over it is there any that does anybody use that kind of strategy they try but it doesn't usually work because that, that's really what's changed on these platforms is that you can't really, if I'm understanding your question correctly, like you can't really uh, just like put something on there without doing a lot of the pre-launch work and, and have it really be that successful unless you're like extremely lucky. Um, but it, crowdfunding has gotten to this place where it, again, it's, it's past this hype stage, like this excitement where even like media companies, like big, you know, big news outlets, for example, won't write about a lot of crowdfunding campaigns unless they're like really special. Um, you won't even be able to find the campaign like in the, you know, the most popular campaigns, unless it's, again, you like brought an audience to the campaign to help get it funded uh, first. So it's, that's it's, a big, pretty, it's pretty difficult. That's too. a big part of the algorithm that I've heard is that, you know, bring your own traffic, right? The more traffic yeah. that you bring that the more they'll, they'll push it up the, the, the line. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what websites or tools you mentioned, like the Facebook group and stuff like that, what websites or tools are essential for planning and executing a crowdfunding campaign outside of, of course, the, the platform that you're launching on? Yeah. So from an advertising standpoint, Facebook and Instagram, like social advertising just crushes for this stuff still. Um, we usually will expand into, into YouTube, like once it gets to the actual crowdfund, crowdfunding campaign itself, like the live campaign, but during pre-launch, it's all like lead gen, Facebook, Instagram does really well. Um, then in terms of like 
we actually like build our own custom funnels, but they're built on top of WordPress. Um, I usually honestly recommend like click funnels or lead pages to people if they're going to do funnel building. Um, they work great. Um, yeah, from there, any type of email marketing software, we like MailChimp just for our, our clients on pre-launch because it's super simple and it works well with our systems. Um, yeah, I mean, from a software component, that's 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 really like the main stack. It's not it's not too complex. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and then what about Ninja Tricks? We love Ninja Tricks. So do you have any really great? You mentioned like Facebook and Instagram ads, how they crush YouTube. Are there any ninja tricks for doing those ads, for setting up those funnels that you have for us that might be really great for driving that traffic to the campaign? Yeah, when it comes to advertising, think authentic. It still works really, really well. What I mean by that is like, don't, oftentimes like the polished imagery or polished videos, like don't do that well. Um, like the biggest secret um, are like walkthrough videos like walkthrough videos are shot on like your iPhone, meaning like we have the founder or one of our team members go and, and be like, open up the, you know, the package with the product and like show it off, you know, what it does, all the features of it just on their iPhone. Then we run that as an ad and they can be like five minutes long, <laughs> something like that. They work really well. Um, I, I would say the biggest, I don't know if it's still a ninja trick or not, but I think a lot of people still don't know this. Like you can go spy on all your competitors' ads or like anyone's ads you want on Facebook. You know, you can go to their pages and look at what ads they're running. So we do it. We do it all the time. Like when we're in the research process, when we're looking at, um, uh, when we're coming up with the messaging and positioning for a new product, we go look at competitors' products or products that, you know, we're inspired by. And then we go look at what ads they're running. And so we get inspired by those as well. And that's a really great strategy that I think everyone should do. You don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to this stuff. That's awesome. Well, we know, Mark, that you are a business owner, <laughs> just like all of our business owners. So we would love to ask you some business owner questions. And For sure. one of them would be, you know, what is one of the biggest challenges that you've overcome in running your business? Um man, honestly, recently it has been dealing with like the scale at which we're growing. And, you know, about a year ago we were at 27 people. Now we're just shy of 60. I think we're at like 58 or 59. I'll just say 60 and round up. Um, like scaling and keeping the company like profitable and also the people happy and keeping the culture in, in, in like check and like, um, not even just in check, like amazing. Um, has been really difficult, but really like a pretty fulfilling like challenge to solve and something that we're still like working on as well. And so on the people side, like I wish I did this, did this way earlier, but hired in um, someone to like an HR professional. Uh, her name is Caitlin Reary. She's awesome. Shout out to Caitlin. And I wish I did it way, way sooner to like really focus on like, I'm like your customer are, is our like employees you know, like make them have the best experience possible at Launchroom. And to me, like there's this book uh, called No Rules Rules. It's the story of Netflix. Um, and, and it's just amazing all their principles as well. And one of the biggest ones there is all about, they're all about talent density. So having like the most talented people working on your team. And then also uh, leading with 
context and not control. And I think that's really important to our culture that we've really instilled. And then the other thing that we've really been working on is just really understanding our numbers, you know, and for product-based businesses, it's, it's like what we're focusing on is different, but the principles are the same, understanding the key drivers of the business and then tracking those numbers and, and making sure that like the, everyone in the company has access to those as well. And we manage by the numbers. That's also still a work in progress right now, but um, yeah, those have been more recent challenges, I would say, that we've been over overcoming. I think all of us can, you know, associate with some of those challenges that you mentioned, just growing and not growing gracefully. It's really hard in business and, uh, and yeah, just, um, understanding your numbers, understanding where you're going, hiring ahead of that. Uh, I'll definitely check out that, that book. I think, can, I, can I just throw one more in there? I'd say like the biggest mistake I've made in our company is like, growing complacent, like thinking that's like an area of our business is okay. Like a, how, how we run our business or how like a certain service works and then going and focusing on something else without like really having like everything dialed in here, whether it be like the people to manage it, the systems to do it. Um, it's like the shiny object syndrome. It's like, Oh no, entrepreneur. You're like, I want to go over here. And that has costed like so much time, money, pain the team you know bad you know bad client experiences stuff like that for us so I, I that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm like I'm like constantly aware of is like am I um like am I growing complacent with anything like is it are the areas of our business getting the focus that they need you know are they set up properly so that I can like you know take my focus away from that and go to something else um yeah that's just another thing that came up yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've actually heard, I, I, I don't, can't remember who it was, but somebody was talking about that. Similarly, they're, they're like some super successful entrepreneur, like, you know, millions of dollars and how, you know, like one day they just kind of woke up and realized that like, they weren't really doing anything anymore. They had just kind of offloaded the business and, and were like sitting on the beach and then went back in to check on it. And, and, you know, it, it was starting to crumble. So um, I definitely think that, you know, Amy and I are big fans of Mike McCallum's Mike Michalowicz's clockwork, right, is trying to get your your business working in this way where you can theoretically step away. But I mean, if it's your company, if you're the visionary, if you're the person who, you know, at the end of the day is, is collecting the biggest paycheck, you know, you still have to be involved in the day to day. And if not, then, you know, maybe it's time to, to sell it to somebody who wants to, to, to get in and get dirty. Um, on that note, you were just talking about, you know, shiny object syndrome, which Amy and I and a lot of entrepreneurs have trouble with that. That's why I have to keep reading the one thing, uh, that book. Um, but, yeah. uh, what, you know, what do you think are some of your strengths and then also some of your weaknesses in terms of, you know, of, of what you're doing? Um, yeah, I mean, like me personally? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so weaknesses, um, something that I've like, been really working on is is actually like trying to continue to think bigger like I think this is something that just like keeps you know I keep keep getting better at like removing limiting beliefs and like okay wow I can actually go do that I would say um two of my other business partners are even better at that than I am um and like they inspire me as well to do that um and so I'd say that's that's probably one and then uh, on the strength side, like 
kind of like the flip side of that coin. Like I do have a pretty operational mind where it's like, if, if there are some like big ideas, what we can do, it's like, okay, how, how the hell are we going to go do that? <laughs> you know? And, and really like thinking through that. And yeah, so I would say that's, I can typically see, it's not like a lack of vision. I can see the vision, but then I can also like try to figure out how we're going to actually get to that state step and like make a plan around it and find the people that are going to help do that too. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, vision, vision tied with operations, uh, I think is kind of what you're getting at. And I, I think that's, that is, that's hard, right. To put those two together. Um, you know, I, I keep telling people one of my latest projects, it's like, yeah, I'm, I want to beat Amazon. And, you know, I'm like, it's a, an audacious goal, but I'm like, you know, unless you set yourself up to be able to compete uh, at that level, you're never going to get to that level, right? Because then all the self-doubt and all that other stuff gets in the way. So I absolutely yeah. love that. Um, yeah. So a few things that you you, you already gave us, uh, we, we always ask this, this at the end for this reason, is we love to, to kind of see what people are reading, studying, uh, you know, motivational stuff, you know, so you already men mentioned built to sell, which is, yeah, we'll have to add it. I've like, literally like every guest will come on. I like keep adding my, my audible, uh, subscription just continues to, to grow with books that I need to get to. Uh, but, uh, built to sell, uh, was, was one of your recommendations and then no rules rules, which was the, uh, uh, the Netflix, uh, book, uh, any other, uh, kind of big influences in terms of, you know, just on your whole entrepreneurial journey, it doesn't have to be anything recent, um, but you know, any other books or podcasts or, uh, people that you follow that have really made a big difference in, in your business journey? Yeah. Um, War of Art. I don't know if you've heard of that one by Stephen Pressfield. I like, I love that book. <laughs> it's, what, uh, what is it called? The War, the War of Art. The War of Art. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's like a, it's a great mindset book. Um, Artist Way is another great mindset book about like how we're all creative. Um, it's a really powerful book. Um, then uh, current, currently from a podcast perspective, like um, I don't know if you know Lex Friedman, but I think the, the guest that he has on, it used to be called the Artificial Intelligence Podcast. It's kind of intense, but um, <laughs> now it's just named after him. And the guest that he has on ranges from like, I don't know, people that study economics to like AI researchers to like, yeah, uh, anyone really, comedians. Um, I just find the, the discussions really fascinating. I'm like very interested in a like wide breadth of topics that I feel like all culminate into like a better worldview. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, AI is definitely something that, that I'm really dabbling into a lot because I feel like uh, you know, AI is the, the equivalent of like social media was right. So all these early influencers that got on Instagram, right. They're the ones who are crushing it right now. Cause they can sell anything. Cause they have this massive following. Um, and so I think that AI is the, the next kind of big thing in terms of if you get a foothold in AI early on, uh, that you're going to make huge, uh, you know, you're going to be able to influence the world and build, you know, businesses around, uh, around those things, you know, if you do, if you're an early adopter. So that's definitely interesting. I've never heard of it. So I'll, I'll have to check that out because it's definitely something uh, in my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, and last but not least, Mark, let everybody know where they can reach out to you. You know, feel free to share LinkedIn profiles, website, whatever you want. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you ever want to email me, it's just Mark, M-A-R-K at launchboom.com. I will respond. And then um, yeah, launchboom.com. Check this out. Uh, we have a summit coming up 
called Crowdfunded Summit. So just crowdfundedsummit.com. It's actually next week. Uh, really pumped for that. We have 10,000 people uh, signed up for it already. Facebook, people from Amazon will be there. There are people from all over the place. So anyways, check it out. Um, and also we have a ton of free resources on our website too. So also check that out. And awesome. So is that, I, I assume that's a virtual event? It is a virtual event. Awesome. That'd be kind of cool if it was in person. Right, right. I'm I'm looking forward to those. I'm, uh, I'm an introvert, but even I am I'm missing kind of like the conferences and the little, you know, get togethers and stuff. I'm I'm gonna try to get some stuff going here in Idaho because I'm I'm missing that kind of networking in person. So uh, yeah, cool, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for being on. And uh, next that you said you you've always wanted to come visit. I keep telling everyone, come visit. Um, you know, yeah. I'll take you out for a beer. Uh, oh, you, 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 you can do that here. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So, so come and visit. Uh, I'll, I'll show you around lots of fun stuff to do here. Um, everybody who's, yeah, everybody who's watching the live stream as usual. You can, uh, you can watch us on the live stream once in a while. We don't do it all the time. Cause we really, really want you guys to join us live in here. Cause this is where we get, uh, you know, the, the, the meat on the bones, right? This is where we get you guys asking questions and where we get some really great, uh, information from our guests in terms of, you know, questions we didn't think of and how it, it actually relates to, uh, you know, people and their products and launching and, you know, whatever, uh, it is where we're, uh, you know, working on, on that episode. So if you want to join us live, sellaroundtable.com forward slash live Tuesday, 1 PM. Make sure you join us live at least once just to check it out. Um, if you haven't done so yet, please make sure that you rate review, subscribe on whatever podcast your, uh, uh, app you're on. And besides that episode 100, let's give it up, Amy. Woohoo. Episode 100. It's a, it's a, uh, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark is, is a trailblazer. He gets to be number 100. That's <laughs> almost as cool as one, but you know, yeah, yeah. almost, almost, <laughs> but, uh, uh, as usual guys, thank you so much for listening to the cell round table and we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 PM Pacific standard time for live Q and a and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.